Hey there, what's going on? It is Rob Payone, aka Crypto Bobby, and welcome to another episode of the Proof of Talent podcast. Today, we have a special guest. It is Aisha Kiani, who, funny enough, is the first placement that I ever made at Proof of Talent. So we helped her find her most recent job, but she's been working in the crypto industry since 2016, which is probably before most people have even heard of cryptocurrency or were investing in it. And she was working full time in the industry. And we had a really great opportunity to talk to her about a number of different things. Like I said, she's been working in the industry since 2016. She started working at Singular DTV, which is a, a spoke of, of consensus, and then also worked at Republic Crypto or Republic, which is a regulated platform that does a lot of work around security tokens. And most recently, she is the VP of Business Development at ledger prime which is a quantitative hedge fund based in new york city so we got a great chance to talk to her about how the industry has progressed since 2016 and the different companies and roles that she's worked at but also a really interesting thing is she is an adjunct professor at nyu teaching a course around blockchain so we got a chance to, to chat a little bit about what it's like to teach a course to undergraduate students about blockchain technology, what that means, the guest lecturers that she brings in, the topics that students are most interested in, and a lot more. So hope you enjoy this episode with Aisha Kiani. As always, this episode is brought to you by Proof of Talent. We are a recruiting firm that work exclusively with companies in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. So if you are looking for a new job in the blockchain or cryptocurrency industry, or if you're a company that is hiring, please feel free to reach out to us at any point in time, proofoftalent.co. All the info is in the podcast or YouTube description. Thanks so much for your time. Let's hop into that interview with Aisha. I had been in tech for prior to two years and I had started seeing the word blockchain emerge in various uh, newsletters that I followed, uh, but I stumbled upon a conference uh, at Rise New York and that conference was being held by Emin, uh, you know, consider of Ava. And, you know, I was like, okay, this sounds very interesting. I'll keep an eye out. And a couple of months down the lane, I saw a job posting within my own network, which was at consensus um, through, you know, a female colleague. And I reached out to her and she said, look, you know, it's a very early stage company. It's very early role. They need help with operations. And all I could just think of was consensus and blockchain. And I was like, whatever it is, like I had done, you know, a couple of early stage projects by then. Like I had run a restaurant uh, with my mother, you know, I had done a lot of nonprofit fundraising, despite of the fact that I have a corporate background. Um, but I was part of an AI early stage startup at that. So, you know, seeing it all, been there and done it all, I thought that I could pick some, bring some sort of a skill set to uh, consensus and singular DTV at that point. Um, so I got in communications with the founders of uh, singular DTV uh, back then, and we exchanged a couple of emails. And all I knew is that I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And the funny thing is, I'll, I'll bring this up now, uh, when the CFO of Singular DTV at that time said, hey, do you know, can you like set up an account on Coinbase? I was literally like, what's Coinbase? <laughs> and uh, he said, well, it's an app that you'll accept crypto through. Like, I was that much of a noob. And, you know, we often see a lot of these experts walking around and saying that, oh, they got into Bitcoin in 2012 and 2013. Um, 
when at that time Bitcoin had much of a, you know, a reputation with Silk Road. So no, I, I say that, look, at that time, it, it, it wasn't looking good to me, but I was very much intrigued in 2016 when the emergence of blockchain had like popped up in like, you know, the normal or advanced tech conversation. It's so early back in 2016, you know, lots of things were just getting off the ground consensus as well. Um, and kind of how have how has the industry changed in your mind, you know, since 2016, there's been a lot more companies, a lot more building, a lot more organization. Um, you know, what would you pick out as some of the biggest things that have changed since the early days in 2016? I mean, so aside from the fact that the friends that I had in the industry in 2016, I'm still friends with them and they all are still in the industry, but I see a lot of new talent now um and a talent from like traditional backgrounds it's not um i mean even at my own firm uh ledger prime they all come from t traditional digital uh, asset background so there has been a shift of talent i think there's been a lot of acceptance uh, back in the day you know crypto was still very much looked down upon um that it's shady, it's not going to go anywhere, you know, you're wasting your time. That reputation has changed quite a lot. Um, you do see a lot of traditional, you know, traditional institutions and, you know, workers from there showing a lot of interest around it, but no one wants to admit that they're working in it. Um, everyone would just say that, look, we have an R&D division that's secretly working on blockchain, uh, but that's all we know. And they don't like to release it. You know, all we know is that they probably could be trading. They probably could be building their own chain, or they probably could be talking to an existing chain. Um, you know, uh, to make it work. Uh, but no one, no one is looking down upon it anymore. And I think there's one thing that I thoroughly enjoy about blockchain as a whole is it's still a very small network-driven community. Uh, which makes it great to work in it. Uh, you know, like if I, if, I, if I want to, you know, get to someone at an exchange, I would have a friend who would make that intro. So that, that part of it is something that I thoroughly enjoy every single given day. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great point too. The, the industry is, I think, obviously growing quite a bit. But when you look at the like degrees of separation for somebody, you know, once you've been in the industry, I think for a specific amount of time, like the degrees of separation between you and almost anybody in the industry is usually like one, maybe like two people maximum away. Like it, you're always kind of able to get that intro, which is fantastic. Looking at your background overall, so you started your career at Singular DTV Consensus, and you also worked at Republic, and now you're at Ledger Prime. So you know, on your on your third company in, in, in the crypto world. So it seems like for you, you know, outside of just the, the network itself, the, the industry has some, some staying power and some interest. What else do you like about working in the uh, crypto industry in particular outside of just kind of the, the close proximity and in, in network in general? Does anything else going to stick out to you? So I think like it's, it's been a great, great, great and probably the best learning curve for me uh, you know through and through I've, I've enjoyed a challenging work environment but when I was at Singular DTUE you know at that time we were very closely with consensus like we were, we were literally 
in Brooklyn. So, you know, seeing their ICO and then seeing other ICOs that were happening under consensus, right? The shift of Ethereum happened in front of my eyes. I still remember the day Ethereum touched 100 for the first time. It was at Ethereal Summit in 2017. So, you know, given that how Ethereum was and it's still one of the most promising technology out there, but then seeing the rise of other chains, right? Like Polkadot, Filecoin, you know, Definity, all of these emerging up. That's 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 been great to see. Um, the other thing is like shifting of the token economics. Um, back in the day, you know, it was you could just raise a token on. Uh, you know, there was Dogecoin, there's still Dogecoin, which has been doing phenomenally well. So, uh, but then, you know, regulators came into place and, uh, you know, it, you know, the entire debate between utility and security token. So that's when I thought that it was a good time to move out of consensus because uh, consensus for the longest time has strongly believed in the uttermost decentralization. So, and Republic was working on frameworks um, to launch security tokens or regulated coin offerings. So, get to Republic again, you know, launch props. Like, I built, you know, their crypto platform, uh, source some deals to launch on crypto, fundraise for the first secure. Republic token definitely was one of the first security tokens. Uh, so, fundraised for that. Um, you know, the entire hype around security took the day uh, that how it was going to be the next best, best thing, you know, happening to crypto and then seeing the market shift from it. Yep. So, um, you know, even though we had a couple of strong, um, you know, security token raises, we had open finance, we had, you uh, I'm forgetting the company's name that were tokenizing digital assets, uh, sorry, traditional assets. Uh, how, you know, it started drying up because no one was realizing that even though if you were to tokenize a traditional asset, it's still a security. So it's still going to be only bought up by accredited investor. So no one got that. Like no one was thinking hard on it, but people just wanted to build a security token. Um, so then I ended up, you know, taking some time off. But by that time I had, you know, one thing that's thoroughly promising in the long run in the space is all the protocols that are upcoming uh, and all the protocols that are being built right now. Um, that's, that's a very promising space. But I also think that we need to give them good seven to 10 years in order to be absolutely functional the way we want them to be. It's, it's not going to be overnight magic. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not going to be the most perfect thing by tomorrow. And then on the other side of things, the tokens that we've seen. Uh, so yeah, so coming, so getting to Ledger Prime, uh, you know, after Republic taking, after taking some time off of my maternity, opposite end of things where I see all of the tokens that have launched in past four years trade. And one thing very surprising to see, which isn't very surprising for like, you know, anyone who's been in industry for a very long time, that the top 10 are still the ones that got launched years ago. It's, it's 
aside from a couple that are uh, that have gained steam over time, the top ten tokens are still Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, e, you know, EOS, and whatnot. So, from a traditional perspective, they got like they got you know a headway on it. So, from the traditional perspective, strictly. Um, so I think it's also important, the point I'm trying to make is it's very important to divide the industry into two uh, segments. One is the trading, which the tokens trade, the tokens you know, that are generating revenue or generating you know, revenue for funds, hedge funds or venture funds, and then the platforms that are being built. Yep. Um, so I think it's very important to divide the two and you know, focus on both of them differently. Yeah, and and I would say it's it's interesting and you brought up a nice point too just as far as like how long it takes and I kind of like laugh a little bit thinking about security tokens now and also like decentralized exchanges too like having worked at Airswap in uh 20 like early 2018 and and kind of keeping track of everything in 2017 like 2018 was supposed to be like the year of the decentralized exchanges and it, it just wasn't because it was too early. Now I think I just saw there's you know a quarter of a billion dollars on uh, Curve Finance and Balancer and all these decentralized exchanges are starting to take off and doing really well like two years into it and in 2028 like late 2018 2019 security tokens had that huge narrative and that was kind of really powering that sector and that has just gone basically nowhere for the time being but it just might be early again there. And like you said, with the protocols, a lot of these things need, you know, three, four, five years in some cases to kind of catch up to the hype. But we're starting to see some of that materialize, especially in places like you know, these decentralized exchanges, which is kind of cool to see happen in, in real time. And then the other thing is like, one thing that we often have been saying in the trading firms is, um, I remember when Singular DTV, by the way, launched its uh, DeFi exchange a decentralized exchange and dex uh i don't even remember the name of it i don't think uh they still have it around and i literally laughed i was like this isn't going to go anywhere but now when i speak to other uh these dexes i'm like you guys this the this idea has been around for a while like i mean i saw it at singular dtv but the market has shifted right like there's so many coins that are emerging that need platforms to launch that you need to bypass the traditional you know exchanges that put them through and you know if uniswap is doing a better job than you know launching staked or whatever it's going to launch next then i you know there's definitely a market for it um and then the other thing that we've been saying quite often internally is that if there's going to uh, if there's going to be one thing that's going to bring absolute decentralization into uh, crypto trading, uh, that's DeFi protocols. Uh, how they do it, uh, you know, we all are like eyes open into it. Uh, you know, X Margin has come up with a great solution. Uh, all eyes and ears onto it, like who's going to build next. We've spoken to a couple of these DeFi uh, options protocols, very interesting. Like the idea of it, it's 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 very interesting. You know what they're thinking on, what they're working on. Um, the first ones to make it an absolute decentralized, you know, complied, you know, regulated field. So 
I think that's that's one rise that you know I'm keeping my eyes open on. Curious, uh, you know, you're the VP of Business Development at Ledger Prime, and a lot of our listeners, um, you know, come from traditional finance or work in traditional markets right now. Um, and that kind of seems like it would be an interesting place to transition to, right? To work at a quant hedge fund, you know, working in business development partnerships. What is your, you know, day-to-day -day role, the objective of your role as the VP there um, like? So, uh, so first of all, Ledger Prime, it's, it's, we're a very small fund. And, uh, you know, when even Rob was making the, the intro, uh one of the one of the things that i think landed me the job was i had been part of like you know i've, I've brought this up before i've been part of a few early stage companies where i know how to wear multiple hats by now um and i'm i'm a, i'm an absolute perfect generalist so my role revolves a lot around operations and business development and marketing or you know uh, some compliance issues here and there on daily basis. The thing I wanted to bring up was uh, for your listeners that are still in finance. Um, I think most trading firms are still using uh, the traditional strategies that you know other uh, you know that have been implemented in you know other banks or whatnot, and that's something that we take a pride at. Uh, you know, my CIO, you know, takes a pride at it that, you know, we have, we all have a traditional asset background and we're using the same set of strategies. Um, so I think it's very important, uh, you know, for all of the, the traders out there that are looking to, you know, get into crypto. Um, there's nothing new about it. It's just a different asset to trade. It's just, you know, a different market. Uh, but anything that you've currently learned at your desk is probably going to help you a lot more uh breaking into you know a crypto hedge fund that's i think that's great insight and mm -hmm. a lot of people you know have those types of questions about how their their work on wall street or work you know in a specific fund might transfer over if they can make that switch so i think that type of, of advice is is definitely very helpful one thing I think that's that's interesting right now, and I know you know the last time we had gotten together and we'd spoken a little bit about it, is your work at at NYU, um, and and you work. I guess maybe maybe describe what you do right now at at NYU specifically with with blockchain. Um, yeah, so that's that's something that I've I've been extremely passionate about this year. Uh, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Earlier this year, through my husband, I was asked to teach at NYU, um, NYU Tandon, which is the, there's um, you know, class on blockchain and DLT. And uh, the dean said, that, you know, when, when I met the dean, he had a very honest conversation with me. He goes like, look, I've been trying to set up this class for past five years. It's just that I cannot find anyone. And I said that, look, first of all, there are not a lot of professionals in crypto, number one. Number two thing is there's no textbook out there that someone is going to come and teach. So it's it's going to be very like additional work for anyone that's you know going to take up on it. And and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so, you know, both my husband, like my husband, the dean, like, you know, other deans that were involved in the process said, look, you have our full help. Um, but 
like you're on your own, buddy. Like there's nothing we can send. <laughs> so, and the minute I started researching into what am I going to teach? How am I going to teach? It's bunch of students that have probably traded in the past, but that just know the word blockchain, but they're getting into it. Uh, so what am I going to teach them? So a couple of things that I really wanted to mention because I'm, 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 I'm like this, this topic, like I'm trying to get a word on it. Number one, blockchain and Berkeley does a great job. You know, they have the best resources out and I'm working with NYU to do the same exact thing for, you know, undergrad students. Um, NYU has put out a lot of research for grad students, but not for undergrad. Um, so that, that's one thing. Um, MIT, I think, has a syllabus out for undergrad, but that's about it. There's there's nothing else you can find on the internet other than a Princeton course that's been done by Joe Bonneau, Eric Felder, um, and a couple of others that are very strictly Bitcoin focused. Mm -hmm. So now here I am trying to get you know, good engineers hard into crypto. So what am I going to teach them? So shout out to Spencer Noon. I think the blogs that he put out turn out to be great resources. And that's about it. Almost every single thing I had to break it down from resources here and there from uh, Eric Felder's and Joe Bonneau's research. Uh, but I had a very, very tough time accumulating these resources. And I know this is the time when Nakamoto was putting out papers saying, you know, we're going to put out additional literature on blockchain. Uh, that literature cannot be taught to undergrad students, right? They've done their data structure 101. They've done their Java 101. They know Python. They know the, you know, the regular uh, languages. But then almost everyone that's trying to break into you know, blockchain as an engineer thinks that solidity is the requirement to go. Um, it's technically not. There, there, there's other languages that you could use that that you you could learn that you could bring it on. Uh, but then, how do you, how do you you know tell that to your students? So we talked we talked almost everything from you know how Bitcoin is created. Uh, you know, the more and more you talk about it, the more sometimes funny it sounds like solving for the nonce, solving for, you know, the block created, the digital signature being created and boom, no one can hack it. And then the world lives happily ever after. But the back end of me, the trading side of me is thinking, how can this thing get created, you know, being traded on mass volumes when it takes 10 minutes to get solved? Like, you know, I think we, we we need to be very realistic about the technology then. So we do, uh, you know the students had a lot of interest in the Bitcoin paper, Ethereum paper. We talked. Uh, I had a couple of guest uh, lecturers come and talk about Ethereum, DeFi protocols. Uh, you know these DeFi platforms. Um, that there was a lot of interest around it, and then as an industry from a whole, like, you know, from digital signatures to hash functions, to collisions, to sharding, um, you know, what each and every tech set could help, you know, uh, blockchain scale. Um, and like I said, like I, I, I had some guidance from, um, you know, 
blockchain at Berkeley here and there, uh, but I literally designed the course and the material from scratch uh, because we don't have a lot of literature out there, which we should. Um, I think once things get back to semi-normal, I'm working with NYU on it, uh, that we need to put all of the resources out um, to have, you know, the students have a better understanding. Uh, you know, as you're, you, you know, you're recruiting, I think if you get an early, uh, you know, if you get a college graduate, he'll probably have the same concern that, oh, do I need to know Solidity? Or like, what language do I need to know? Like where can I learn more or where can I write more? So um, I think like I, that's something that I'm going to work on in next, hopefully within a year or so to put all of these resources out. Yeah. And that's, I think that's an interesting point too, because we had um, Graham Parrish on the show recently and he is uh, an engineer at, at Coinbase and uh, does a lot of, of full stack engineering, but had spent a lot of time working with Solidity uh, when he was at Fluidity Airswap. And that was his advice in a lot of respects too, was, you know, focus on the core technologies. Like you don't just need to be a Solidity engineer. And unless you are literally trying to be a smart contract engineer, there is a lot of work you can do in the blockchain space that, that goes far beyond Solidity. Um, so I thought that was, a, you know, an interesting point to, to kind of echo and, and compound upon. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, so I had two of my students get hired into two different crypto companies. And uh, the reason that happened was one was an expert in, he had spent a couple of semesters in data structures, which is very important to know. Uh, and uh, so he got hired at another trading firm. And the other one is an expert in Python. So, and he got hired at a venture slash uh, hedge fund. Um, so the, uh, like, and one thing that I, throughout my semester, I kept saying over and over again, that guys, this, all I'm trying to show is that all of the technology that Bitcoin or current blockchains are using, it hasn't happened overnight. It's something that has been in process for past about 30 to 35 years or so, like, you know, Someone else took a stab at smart contracts before Vitalik. Uh, you know, data structures had been around. The algorithm that Bitcoin uses, SHA-256, has been around for a while, like military uses it. So there's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing new. It's just that how it's being compiled right now, that, that's a new element. And I think that shouldn't, you know, afraid anyone who's trying to join the space from an engineering perspective or from a technologist perspective or, you know, just strategy, business development or trading, whatever it is, there's absolutely nothing new that, you know, we're working on. Right. I think that's such a great point. And, you know, to what you were saying, it seems like your advice is kind of play to your strengths, you know, find, take what you're really good at or what you're most interested in and play to your strengths None of this stuff is is brand new. You know, um, there's lots of um, new things coming out all the time in the crypto space. It seems, but um, you know, th this stuff isn't. Um, you know, it's been around for quite some time. So I'm curious to know uh, within your classrooms, what have your students been most interested in? Um, whether it's more on the engine or within the engineering side. Trading. 
<laughs> Number go up. Like <laughs> my favorite true story, my favorite story from my classes. One of the students who never showed up on time, uh, never submitted his homework on time, did his class presentation on XRP because he was trading it when it was thirty cents. And when he was presenting, this was during COVID. Like I was literally staring like this at my computer screen that you barely showed up to class and you were trading XRP. Wow. So trading, and then I had my CIO come and guest lecture because they all wanted to know was where would Bitcoin's price go? So, which is, you know, sometimes a good thing and a bad thing because I kept saying them, you guys, there's more to the industry than just crypto prices. Like I would try to change their attention throughout but every single day they're like so professor where do you think ethereum would go <laughs> it, it is funny to see the like the the cycle of of interest from people i think you know, the the speculative nature of crypto and the volatility although bitcoin is not too volatile right now but the speculative nature of of crypto and 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 bitcoin and the volatility think tends to draw a lot of people into the industry and then from there kind of hopefully fingers crossed people get more interested in some of the technology behind it and some of the the functionality behind it and and the use cases that it can can enable i think some people remain purely interested in the price but it is so interesting that that is how like that is what draws so many people into uh, just like the industry as a whole and why they would even show up or, or take a, a blockchain class at NYU. And then the other thing that really intrigued most of them was uh, DeFi. They they thought that, you know, DeFi, how borrowing and lending, because, you know, these are students that have taken a lot of you know, student loans out, uh, you know, trying to get base around it, 20 to 21 year olds. Um, and then, you know, on how you could go and buy yourself a land, um, you know, on OpenSea or whatnot, or buy some art. So m a lot of class projects that I got was on uh, DeFi. Mm -hmm. So between DeFi, between a Bitcoin price index and between XRP, that was the spectrum of my class. I'm curious what, uh, I know you'd mentioned, uh, the CIO of Ledger Prime, Shiliang, um, had, had come into lecture. Like what other lectures did you have or set up that, uh, you know, people were, were, were really interested in? So the most interesting lecture was, uh, by my friend, uh, Victor at Bison Trails, uh, because he strictly talked about DeFi. And, uh, you know, about OpenSea, about, you know, BlockFi, uh, you know, various functionalities of DeFi. And that was very eye-opening for the students because they were like, oh, this is interesting. This is a great use case of blockchain. I would like to say this out personally loud. I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a bullish opinion on DeFi. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's interesting, but I, I don't want it to come as that I'm, I'm you know, very bullish on it. Uh, but the students actually found it very interesting. That's one. Uh, then I had uh, Santiago Santos come from Parify uh, to talk a lot about proof of work, proof of stake, uh, how they differ, these consensus algorithms, 
um, and then eventually come back and talk about various stable coins. Uh, and then I had, you know, Shiliang, uh, you know, my CIO come and talk about how trading markets differ. And then the reason when Shiliang came, it was also a different time because by that time, you know, crypto had seen its worst day, you know, March 12th, the Black Thursday. So, and you know, the emergence from that, like I'm talking, the class was like in late April. So, you know, how funds had recovered or how markets had recovered or what was lost. So, um, you know, it was so funny. Like I would talk about Tezos and like, so one of the things every single time I would discuss a different consensus algorithm, I would go back to coin market cap and show them the token that you guys, this protocol is using this consensus, consensus algorithm. And then, you know, I would be like, look where the Bitcoin price is today. Don't take it seriously, but don't be surprised if it, it's a lot different than tomorrow because it's a volatile market. So that's why these students had seen the fall of crypto prices on March 12th because they had access to coin market cap. They were following it, you know, for the consensus algorithms that they were working on. So, you know, that's, that's why they knew about it. Got it. Also, another question regarding uh, your students, um, the ones that come into your class, are, are they, have you found that they're, they're just brand new into the space? They're just trying to learn more. Um, and then by the end, maybe they're trying to you know, find careers in a space. Like, how does that trajectory go usually? So uh, they all wanted to learn about the space. That's one thing for sure. Uh, they all said that, look, we've been, We've heard of it. We just can't, you know, read about it or, you know, we don't have enough time. So we wanted to learn more. Uh, they all wanted to learn more. Um, like I said, some had in, some had previously traded. Uh, and then there was this one student uh, who actually got hired at uh, the venture fund. He had previously worked at JP Morgan. So, but he said like, look, professor, after graduation, I don't think finance is traditional finances for me. So I wanted, you know, this class to be an avenue to look into a different market. Um, and super bright student, extremely smart, sharp, knew what he was talking about. And um, yeah, he, he, he was like, I, I don't think I'm going to go to JP back. Um, I, I'd rather, you know, go to what, what you would recommend for us. And, and you had covered the resources, at least from like a, you know, I guess higher education standpoint being, being pretty sparse right now, from textbooks and that type of thing. I'm curious what type of maybe like resource advice you would provide to somebody who's just interested in learning, whether they're a college student or beyond college or just wherever, like what are some of your favorite resources to, to stay up to date or to stay educated on the, the crypto industry in general? I think it all depends at what point you're starting off. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're literally brand new, I, I still think that Bitcoin white paper is the best resource out there. Uh, go read it. it. It may sound silly at times, uh, but if you would look into each and every single term that's being written and defined, uh, it would it would make sense to it. So start off from Bitcoin white paper. Um, 
like I said, through and through, Spencer Noon's articles are, most of them are great resource uh, because they break it down well. Like they, they, they did a lot of work for me that I wanted to do for like my 20, you know, 20 year old students. Um, that's one because I couldn't teach them research papers, right? Like they didn't, they didn't have the bandwidth to go read, you know, read research, uh, you know, go more and more into depth of, you know, into uh, these algorithms, uh, but just touch slightly upon it. Um, so that, that was a gr another great source. Uh, for DeFi, I think like Bankless is, is a good one. Uh, if you're trying to learn more about Trading markets, Coin Metrics put out a great uh, blog every now and then. I think it's it's once a week or so. Uh, and these are these are some of the unbiased ones that I found. Um, and then obviously there's 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 definitely a lot more, but I don't think as an industry we have like one go-to resource that's being updated every single day. That's a that's such an interesting point. Sounds like there's. A little bit of a, a gap in like where to find like you said it, it's difficult to accumulate um all the different information out there on all the different protocols and DeFi security tokens all this stuff i'm imagining the book the first textbook being like this thick <laughs> the biggest textbook known to man on crypto and blockchain <laughs> i think with all the info out there but I, I was just gonna pop Go in. I think it's I think it's funny too, and and maybe this is part of the problem. But I do think that the industry moves so fast that like by the time a textbook is published, like probably half the information is outdated. Like if you think about it, if somebody published a textbook right. that was in 2018, like 75 percent of that stuff doesn't even apply anymore. Yeah, that's 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 such a good point. Um, and the times are changing like that. I, I would say. I'm curious because a lot more colleges, uh, universities, you know, Duke, MIT, Columbia, you mentioned a couple, Princeton, they're coming out with courses, right? They have to stay up to speed with what the industry is doing. From what you've seen in the interest in this, from the students, um, like, do you think this trend will continue to where there'll be more and more classes out there, more and more opportunity coming from universities? Absolutely. I think so. My class uh, was... Booked, I think within a couple of hours. The minute they put it out, it was it was booked. Uh, back students, I wanted a certain limit. Uh, within a couple of hours, we had capped out the class. And this is just NYU. Columbia, I know, is starting to put out. I think an undergrad course. I saw it somewhere floating around. Um, there, there's definitely a lot of interest around it. And so from the student side, it's not from the instructor side alone, it's both from students because uh, like I said, I think students have started to realize that you don't need a different skill set to break into the industry. It's, you know, the technical work and the technical knowledge that they've already been getting at their colleges. It's just, you know, a next step forward on it. So um, definitely, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot many courses, not this semester, not this upcoming semester, but definitely next year. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's important to note, right? Because most of the universities will probably go remote next semester and everyone is you know, trying to play it safe. But 2021, uh, hopefully will be a good year for crypto education. 
Yeah, and and I think one thing that's been interesting just watching uh, college students enter the industry has been, I I would say the the students that have kind of hustled, and even if they're not as fortunate enough to be at a school like you know a, a Berkeley or an NYU or an MIT or a Princeton that have these like educational resources and classes, I've even seen students start blockchain clubs at their own universities and that has been like a marketable thing for them to end up saying hey i started a a blockchain club here um, I'm, I'm actually dedicated to the industry and and i want to work full time in it and i've seen a lot of people have success doing that so i think even in the places where maybe they don't have that that opportunity that the university provides them they, they kind of pave their own way which has been awesome to see yep we've uh, I've, I've, every now and then i get a linkedin message from from uh uh, somewhere, um, you know, somewhere in another state other than New York saying that, look, we want to start a blockchain club, you know, but we're getting speakers around. We're just, you know, we cannot provide the education and, but yeah, we're, 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 we're working on it. So definitely a lot of interest around. For yeah. Sure. I, I love the initiative and we, uh, Colton and I like to, to finish off every episode with uh, a little, little silly segment that we like to play called pump it, dump it, which is essentially one thing in the industry that you would be buying, it could be a narrative, it could be a platform, it could be anything, it could be a topic, and then one thing that you're selling. Um, so I'll let Colton kick it off uh, to, to give you an example so you can kind of brainstorm a little bit as, as he's saying it. But Colton, uh, what do you got this week on, on Pump It, Dump It? Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier, Rob, Pump It. I think um, we need some volatility back in the space. I think we need to pump Bitcoin a little bit. I think volatility is sitting around, I mean, serious lows, maybe all time. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see a nice little, nice little pump in price. Um, I think there's rumors out that there's going to be some more uh, stimulus going on in our economy. So that might that might help more, more of those uh, $1,200 checks <laughs> pumping up the price. <laughs> Um, and then for the dump it, um, I thought the Twitter hack last week was absolutely fascinating. Um, the, the Twitter hack where I mean, everyone from Kanye West to Jeff, um, <clears throat> Bezos, all these, um, you know, accounts with millions of followers getting hacked and the hacker asking for Bitcoin. Absolutely fascinating to me. Um, so bad for the brand, I'm not sure. Um, but good for, um, you know, people kind of Google, I saw the Google trend searches and, and, uh, people were searching for Bitcoin after that. Like, what is this? What is this? I, I'm not sure, but I'm curious to, to know like what your, your thoughts on, uh, that, that Twitter hack last week. I, I think so. I strongly believe any kind of publicity is good publicity. So yay for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yay. I, I was at my parents' house, so I, I didn't have a lot of time to like follow with what's, who's demanding what, uh, but I got a you know i got a a message from a crypto friend and you got that everyone is down coindesk is down and like oh my god and uh asking money for some blockchain health initiative uh, that's what he said uh but then later at night when i found uh when i uh, finally got on twitter it was like oh the hackers had have gotten 12 or 13 bitcoin i i, I don't know the exact number I was wasn't like, that Yay! much it wasn't that much. Like what? I mean, God, that's it. So I was. <laughs> yeah, if I mean, if, if I'm the hacker, you, you just hack into Elon Musk's account and 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 wait till the market opens and tweet that I'm stepping down as Tesla CEO, short the market, and you would have made way more than twelve Bitcoin. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. This is it. Like that's it. <laughs> right. Um, cool. So that's my pump it, dump it for the week. Um, Aisha, what are you? What are you pumping and what are you dumping this week? Oh my god. Uh, you guys, I work at a fund, right? Right. So <laughs> it could be, it could be this narrative. Is very um, narratives. Uh, so no investment advice. Uh, but I am thoroughly enjoying the rise of Chainlink. Um, I think, uh, I mean, you know, given the rise of DeFi, given the rise, uh, you know, on how it's managing to, you know, bridge the gap in between. Uh, that's something that I'm liking so far. I'm not an investor yet, so please don't don't listen to me. <laughs> so that's that's my problem. And my dump is, uh, hmm, what is my dump? I have to name names. Do I, I have to name the name? No, no. I mean, it could be, it could be very general things. So, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm not going to name the name, but, uh, like last week, uh, yeah, it was last week, uh, on one of my, you know, industry calls, I heard, if Twitter just goes on blockchain, Twitter Oof. won't have all of these issues. And I rolled my eyes and I was like, did not just say that. And I had to correct it. I was like, look, Jack is an investor in CoinList and he's he's an advocate and Square accepts crypto payments. So it's not, he's a noob who doesn't understand blockchain. Uh, but do you know how slow these protocols move? And this goes back to my topic of like initial topic of discussion that we're imagining these protocols to work overnight, but they're not going to. So that's why we all need to take a breather. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why we need a lot more talent, a lot more engineers, a lot more traders and, um, you know, generalists in the space that could help this space even grow further. Um, right. So that's, I think that would be. Yeah. Not everything needs a blockchain. <laughs> no, it certainly does not. It certainly yeah. does not. Rob, what are you pumping? What are you dumping this week? Uh, I mean, per usual, I'm pumping DeFi. Uh, everything. Uh, I'm, I, I am, I am personally buying everything under the sun that has a loose association with DeFi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> investment because, advice. Uh, yeah. That's certified financial investment advice specifically for me though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and on the dump it side, kind of similar to DeFi, I'm dumping the sanity of both, uh, I guess what you would call Bitcoin maximalists and Ethereum maximalists, because uh, Bitcoin maximalists are, are looking on at all this craziness with DeFi. And I think rightfully so, you know, trying to halt the brakes a little bit and saying, hey, you know, maybe some of the stuff is not sustainable. There's probably some issues security wise, economics wise, all of the stuff is is probably more hype than substance. So they're trying to pump the brakes there. The brakes are not pumping. The gas is just getting hit even harder. <laughs> and then on the Ethereum, I guess what you would consider Ethereum maximalist side, the ETH heads, um, they're getting very angry because every single DeFi token on the planet is pumping and the price of ETH is staying as flat as Bitcoin is right now. So you have you know, the chain links, the SNXs, all these, all these tokens, all these platforms that are built on ETH. And the thesis in the past has been like, okay, you know, a lot of value is going to accrue to the protocol. That is not happening at all right now. So you have 
kind of Bitcoin maxi salt, you have ETH maxi salt, and then you have DeFi going through the roof. So <laughs> I'm just I'm, dump- <laughs> I'm dumping the sanity of Bitcoiners and of the ETH heads because neither thesis is is playing out much to the dismay and to the portfolio account. So yeah. I, it's it's fine with me though. You you just have to go with the flow these days. And I just want to add one thing. What Rob just said about ETH maximalist, God, that sentiment hasn't changed. Like, I have a walking kid. I've changed jobs like two times in the industry. But one thing on the fact that the more you build on ETH and the higher ETH will rise, I think that narrative needs to go away. So maturity... I think it's being disproven over time, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I think I, we, need, we need to get away from that. We need to just focus on building at this point. That, I mean, if we, if we do that, hopefully that would change the prices. But if we, like, if we come out with like one mass adaptive protocol, I think that's a way to go. Uh, but, you know, these tiny maximalist societies, uh, I, I used to tell my students, guys, never argument on twitter like never don't do that no like it's do not, time. not dare to do that no so yeah so but uh yep yeah. awesome well thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us today uh we really appreciate it it was uh it was it was great to get your thoughts on just the industry and how it's changed but also on the education system and specifically how students and kind of young professionals can maybe better position themselves to to be successful in a in a career in crypto. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you so much Fulton and Rob the work you're doing. You know, bringing in new talent, bringing in new faces and you know, providing the platform because you guys are like also leaders, you know, in your own field in this space. So, you know, there there's no other recruiting firm out there. I you know, I want to mention strongly that Crypto is still so small that most of the hiring has been through relationships. Mm. So the work that you're doing is hopefully going to open up a lot, many doors uh, for other individuals that want to break into it. We certainly hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot, Isha. The stuff you're doing is fascinating. So I really appreciate your time.